You're listening to highlights from an episode of The Creative Process. To listen to the full interview or learn more about The Creative Process projects, please visit www.creativeprocess.info. Jane Alexander, welcome to The Creative Process. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So you're, and thank you so much for taking the time. So before we set up this conversation, we had a bit of a back and forth and you're writing that you spend, spend much of your time, you're in Nova Scotia now as we're speaking on the phone, and that you spend much of your time, although you're acting still in many roles, but tell us a little bit about what brought you to conservation and what you've been reflecting on in uh, these recent days. Well, uh, I, I came to conservation probably as a, a lover of nature as a young girl and um, growing up outside of Boston, Massachusetts, we just had a tiny backyard, but I was enthralled by whatever lived there from a very early age. So it, I kept up with my love of nature all through life by the same path that I was also going on in theater for, for the most part and um, later film. And conservation came of, out of my love for animals because it became clear in the 70s, about well, 50 years ago, that uh, there were many species that were beginning their decline yeah. and, uh, and continue to do so today. So then I became friends with a lot of biologists and uh, ecologists and went on many trips globally with them and locally. and. Uh, I became an ardent uh, protector of wildlife. You brought up early on how the link really, for me, between all of us and the health of all of us, and COVID-19 certainly represents the pandemic that we we were all fearful of, and here it is. Mm -hmm. And it was probably begun in an animal uh in, in asia for many people this is an issue of poverty it's clearly they don't have the means either to eat anything else or to sell anything else uh to, to make a living so this the what coronavirus is doing for us today is bringing all of these issues social issues to the forefront and economical um issues so it's 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 fascinating it's it's a time once we get get over the initial wave that we're going through right now which is so severe uh, i i think we have to begin to address all of these 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 social issues uh because that's what's causing pandemics in the world and the, the very health of everything in the world And speaking about social issues, I mean, from the very beginning, um, um, The Great White Hope, I mean, your, so many of your, your roles on stage and on screen have been, um, there's been a social, a social or political conscience uh, underpinning them. I, I grew up in a family of Republicans, mm-hmm. a medical family, uh, and I swear I came out of my mother's womb as a Democrat. 
I was <laughs> a very, I was liberal from a very early age. And I just remember arguing with him at 10 years old and saying, no, no, but you have to think about this. Have to think about <laughs> but uh, the truth was, I don't know whether there was something in me that translated that I was politically and socially conscious when I was a young actress, because these roles came to me. Mm. I didn't go out begging for them. Yeah. Uh, and I was so grateful to have them because I thought they, they had a depth to them. It was the height of the Black Power movement. There was a wonderful Black leader named Stokely Carmichael who was promulgating Black is Beautiful and Black Power. And the play, The Great White Hope, was about uh, a black boxer, true, uh, um, that James Earl Jones played, and uh, who who won the heavyweight championship in 1910. And James Earl played uh, an amalgam of this man, and I played uh, sort of, uh, he had many many white mistresses and, mm. and lovers. I, I just felt deeply grateful to be part of this play that was ringing some kinds of bells for all people who came to see it. The first part of the first year that we played it on Broadway, the audience was predominantly white. And towards the end of that year, they were a little bit more than 50% black. So it was extraordinary to feel the uh, emotion coming across the footlights to us on stage of both both white and black during that year. I felt very grateful to be part of that. So you know, it's interesting when you can work again with Dustin Hoffman, when you can work again with another person, you develop these shorthands and... Uh, a ways of reading each other's, um, taking each other's emotional temperatures and things like that. I can't imagine what it's like because I'm always, I'm a little bit collaborative with this project, but I'm also a painter and I write, so it's more like <laughs> it's me yeah. reading my own temperature. <laughs> the thing that I do love the most about the profession that I chose at an early age to become a part of, mm -hmm. I was about nine when I wow. I decided well I wanted to be on the stage is the collegiality, mm -hmm. uh, the the fact that you are in a collaborative, creative effort together. Uh, and sometimes you, you make magic together. And what I loved most, Mia, was, as I say, the sense of collegiality, because when you get to a point where you and the director really have a meeting of minds mm -hmm. and you can... You know each other so well that you can laugh and joke on the set and then get right back, right back to work. You know, it doesn't take anything away. That's, that's real artistry. And I think, I think there are people, people who are thinking about costumes or thinking about lighting or the actors or the directors, like they really, of course, you really... Um, have a great appreciation but I think that other people might just feel like it's almost done by magic <laughs> that's the illusion is created is so strong we may be doing this in a different way now that we're all in lockdown mm -hmm. for one night uh, 
uh, on television. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so you can't keep a good creative spirit down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> these these things will transmogrify. They will become something new. Some mm-hmm. of them will be probably rightly so enormous failures and mm-hmm. other ones will succeed in ways we have no way of even estimating right now. And that's very exciting. I, I've been around for long enough <laughs> Mm-hmm. to know that when television came up, came in, everybody was said, that's the end of theater. Mm-hmm. And no, it wasn't mm-hmm. the end of theater. In fact, they all are proliferating at the same time and the population and it, and the cultural aspects of our global population are such that they can take it all. And I don't want to forget also all the champion you've done in celebrating your work as chairman of our former chairman of the National Endowment of the Arts. You know, what was your mission as you came to that and your understanding of the organization and, um, you know, and what your aims were? Yeah. Those of us who are on different sides, we need yeah. to understand each other today more than ever. There mm-hmm. is such a divide. And I know that we have more in common than we don't have. The right of wildlife and wild things is something that we all share because it means our own health. We know so little about all the creatures of the world and the complexity of how we're connected that we have to save it if we're going to save Mother Earth and save ourselves. Want to get involved in exhibitions or interviews? Email us at team at creativeprocess.info. Thank you for listening.